Amen. I too want to welcome you this morning, and I want to invite you to open up your Bibles to Psalm 1. We're going to be looking at Psalm 1 together this morning, and it's really fitting that we would do so this morning. It's timely that we would look at this particular psalm on the day of a parent-child dedication. Really, this psalm, in unmistakable terms, correlates with exactly what has just taken place up here this morning. We're continuing in our series, Anchored in the Word of God. And again, if you're visiting with us, we're so glad that you're here. And, and I suppose it's not been lost on you just through the parent-child dedication this morning that we are a church that greatly esteems the Word of God. We look to the Word of God in all things. We hold it high And we've been looking for these last few weeks at what that means for our lives. And even just considering the words that Pastor Ian just read from Deuteronomy, these words shall be on your heart. You shall teach these words to your children. Reminds us that it is so important that we correlate what we desire for these children with what it is we desire for ourselves, right? That we we want to turn out well. We want them to turn out well, we sometimes put it. We want them to go down the right path. We care, right? As parents and as a church family coming alongside of these parents and their children, we, we want for them what we want for ourselves. We want to live a particular kind of life. The way that they go and the way that we go doesn't not matter, right? That's what we're saying, isn't it? That, that the way that we go and, and the way that these kids go in life makes all the difference in the world. That all paths don't lead to the same place. And that's what Psalm 1 is about. The psalmist here tells us that there's really only two kinds of life that you can live. The fruitful life where abundant fulfillment and lasting happiness is found or the empty life which eventually leads to judgment. Psalm holds up for us two portraits. The portrait of the righteous and the wicked. And what we're going to see is that the righteous person follows godly influences, not ungodly ones. The righteous person loves the Lord, not sin. The righteous person is different. He says no to the ways of the world and and follows the path that most people do not want to go down. Jesus, in His Sermon on the Mount, said it like this. He, He said, enter by the narrow gate For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Jesus' teaching reflects the teaching of Psalm 1. He says you can live in one of two ways. And listen, what we want to see this morning is that which way you take depends on what you do with the Word of God. That's what the psalmist tells us everything hinges upon. 
What we're going to see in Psalm 1 this morning is that the fundamental difference between the righteous and the wicked is that the righteous person delights in the law of the Lord and meditates on it day and night. We could say it like this, the one who is walking in the way of the righteous is the one who is living a life in diligent pursuit of the word of God. Let's read together Psalm 1. The word of God says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. As we devote our time to study this psalm together, I want you to see first from verses 1 and 2 that when I diligently pursue the Word of God, see this for your life, when I diligently pursue the Word of God, I strive to see the Word of God take root. I strive to to see the Word of God take root. The the one whose soul is blessed, you know, the one whose heart is, is truly happy and at rest in the Lord's gracious favor is a certain kind of person. And the psalmist tells us what sets this person apart by first telling us what this person is set apart from. He doesn't walk in the counsel of the wicked. That is, he he doesn't buy into the philosophies or the moral standards of the ungodly world. Going from bad to worse, furthermore, it says that he doesn't stand in the way of sinners. That is, his behavior doesn't reflect that of those who go their own way. And lastly, he doesn't sit in the seat of scoffers. That is, he... He's not made his home. Or or he hasn't gotten comfortable identifying with those who ridicule the Lord's rule over their lives. No, the one who is blessed is different. The one whose soul is satisfied and at rest in the Lord doesn't look like that, but, but rather... As verse 2 says, his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. And now I don't want you to get hung up on the word law here. This is not limited to legal matters. The the word law here is used as it often is in Scripture in a broader sense. It, It represents all of the instructions or all of the teachings of the Word of God. And the point is that the one who is blessed is experiencing God's blessing because he or or, or she, young or old, is delighting in the Word of God. 
is meditating in the Word of God, is striving to see the Word of God take root in their heart. This is what must be different about you. If you want to walk in the way of the righteous and and not in the way of the wicked, you must be diligently pursuing the Word of God. Again, the psalmist first says that we must delight in it. And we looked at this in depth last week, right? We, we looked at what it means to find our joy, our satisfaction in the Word of God. We, we believe that this book truly is the Word of the Lord written for us. That the God of heaven and earth inspired a book that we might read and, and know Him and know the way of salvation. We have the conviction that what we hold in our hands has been breathed out by God and we treasure the Scriptures above all else. We're convinced in our heart that nothing else in this world could ever compare to the Word of God. We love it. We delight in it. And then as the psalmist says... When we have genuine delight in the Word of God, this necessarily takes us to spending time with it. Not ultimately because we think that we're supposed to or because we think that it's expected of us or that we feel guilty if we don't, but primarily because it's the joy of our heart. We see it as the treasure of our souls and so we meditate on it Day and night. And and that's where I want to focus most of our time together this morning. See, when you treasure God's word as the supreme um, satisfaction of your heart and and you're truly delighting in it, you'll spend the time striving to see that it takes root in your heart. And when we hear this word meditation, I think maybe it's fair to say that um, perhaps uh, different things might come to mind For different people, right? And maybe to borrow from the wise approach of the psalmist here, we can start to explain what meditation is by looking first briefly at what it isn't. It's not a breathing technique or a body posture with a deep exhale and and a peaceful uh, place, finding your, your peaceful place. That's not what meditation is. And contrary to popular belief, meditation doesn't involve emptying your mind. It's also not what seems to be prevalent these days in the world around us. It's not taking some time each morning for me to start my day off right in the right frame of mind, reminding myself that I can do it, that I can conquer today. Right? That's not meditation. And not that um, this is something that is confused for meditation, but it bears mentioning here that um, something that's obviously not meditation, but that we all, I think, really need to hear, is that meditation is uh, clearly just not rushing from one activity to another, to another, to another, 
and never stopping, never slowing down to actually deeply think. And maybe you're one who disdains this idea of being, you know, quote, busy all the time. So maybe you need to hear this. Meditation is clearly not entertaining ourselves constantly. So really, it's the opposite of pretty much everything that the world wants us to do these days. Meditation is at odds with the go, 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 instant gratification, quick results, multitask everything, entertainment-driven culture in which we live. So what is it? Meditation is deeply thinking over and chewing upon. It's lingering over and storing up. The Hebrew word here literally has its root, um, describes a rumbling mutter, as if we were quietly just talking to ourselves. To meditate upon the Scriptures is to ponder and to mull over the implications of God's Word for our lives. That's what it means to meditate. It's fixing our heart and setting our minds upon the truths of God's Word and spending time there and slowing down. It's our part in the request, teach me your ways, O Lord. And though it's so desirable, it's something that not many of us particularly excel in. And because this is the case, it's good for us to look at meditation this morning and to take some time to consider some helps for meditating on God's Word. Here's the first one. Prioritize the Bible. Prioritize the Bible. Or choose the Bible. We could say it like that. Or, or read the Bible. It's the obvious starting place. If you want to see the Word of God take root in your heart, this has to be the place where we begin. Say no to other pursuits. And decide for time spent in God's Word. Put the anchor down again. Believe that this book is the Word of God and remind yourselves that it, that it holds for you your greatest delight. Plan when you're going to be in God's Word and then follow through like one who seeks lost treasure. Plan where you're going to be. And by this I mean plan where, where you are going to be to read the Word of God. Plan the room, plan the chair, the time. And plan where you're going to be in the Bible. Have a plan. Follow a Bible reading plan. It's so helpful. And bolt the door shut. Get alone with God. Listen, church, and linger there for a while. One writer that I read this week, he said, when God tells us to look at his word, he tells us to look for a long time. And forget about the exceptions. Just think what ought to be the norm. When we don't 
linger over God's word for a long time. I, I think really it boils down to uh, two reasons. Either we think something else is going to be more productive or we think something else is going to be more fun. And listen, I'm all for productivity and fun. I really am. But if we're neglecting to linger over God's word, then I hope you would agree that our priorities need to shift. Let me ask you this morning, what's the one thing in your life, if you had to just boil it down to one thing that keeps you from God's word, from lingering with time spent in God's word, what would that one thing for you personally be? Now, if it's something that's clearly sin that needs to be repented of, you need to turn away, you need to confess that sin before the Lord, sin will keep you from God's word. You need to deal with that. And so let me urge you this morning, if there's sin in your life that's keeping you from opening the book, deal with that today. God is so gracious. He calls us to return to him, to to forsake our sin and turn, and he's waiting for us to come back to him. He, He will not keep us at arm's length. So if it's sin that's in your life, keeping you from God's word, repent of that sin. But Other than that, what about the distractions? What about those weights that weigh us down and keep us from time in God's word? I'm talking about things like work or or hobbies or shows or social media or news media. I'm talking about games, watching games or, or playing games. I'm talking about sleep. I'm talking about socializing. Again, like I said last week, all of these not bad in and of themselves... But when they take the place of God's word, then our priorities are out of line. And for you and and for me, listen, we have to decide what is going to be my priority. And it's the same question, right? Where where do we find our delight in? Where do we spend our time in? We we spend our time where we find joy and listen, our our. Our hearts are far too easily satisfied a lot of the times, aren't they? We're satisfied with lesser things. And we don't strive to store up God's Word in our hearts. We must delight in the Word of God and prioritize Bible reading. And next, going along with With this, if we're going to meditate, if we're going to truly linger over and chew on God's word, we need to second study the Bible. We need to study the word of God. John Piper says meditation is not the simple reading of God's word so that it only passes through our minds like water runs through a pipe, but considering what we read pondering it and applying it to our hearts. Here we're reminded that time in God's word is not about just getting the pages turned, right? It's not about just moving the bookmark to to know that we've done it. It's not about checking the, the reference for that day in the Bible reading plan. We need to truly mull over what we're reading. We need to ask questions of the text. We we need to ask, what does this mean? What does God intend for me to see here today? How does he want this 
what I'm seeing in his word to intersect with my life. And we can ask a whole host of more specific questions that fall under each of these and help us discern what God wants to teach us through his word. Meditating on God's word means that we're not content until we're actually absorbing. I love Psalm 25. It's one of my favorites. And the psalmist in Psalm 25, he calls out to the Lord. He says, make me know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. And in order for this prayer to be answered, loved ones, we must linger. We must chew. We, we must mutter. We, we must meditate on the Word of God. Next help for meditating on the Word of God is this. Pray the Bible. Pray the Bible. Strive to see the Word of God take root in your heart by praying God's words back to Him. There's no surer way to align our thoughts and our desires with His than when we pray with an open Bible. And this is what we're after. We, we want to be people of the book. We, we want to be in such a habit in our Bible reading and in our Bible study that through our pondering, we're seeing just how we ought to be praying. And we commune with God in His Word. And, and when we look to the pages of Scripture and we pray them back to God, it takes God's Word and it drives it deeper into our hearts. Praise God for what He's revealing to you in your text. Confess the sin in prayer that the passage addresses. Give thanks to the Lord for the blessings that you're reading about. Make requests to the Lord that stem right out of your time in God's Word. Pray the Bible. Pray the Bible and it will take root in your heart. Then next, also memorize the Bible. Memorize the Bible. And I'll, I'll say it like this. Meditating and memorizing, they're not the same thing, but they're best friends. <laughs> All right? They're, they're like those two friends you see. They're inseparable. They go everywhere together. They do everything together. They love one another. And sometimes we're when we're in the Word of God and we're lingering over the Word of God and we're contemplating the Word of God, we end up just memorizing it. And I love it when that happens. That's awesome. But listen, you know this, more often than not, it needs to go the other way around, right? When we do the hard work of committing a portion of Scripture to memory, it serves us well to help us ponder the text while we're working on getting it memorized. And it stores up God's word in our heart for later meditation when we're rehearsing it to ourselves at other times and other places when we don't have God's word open in front of us. You want God's word to take deeper root in you? 
Get to work on memorizing the scriptures. Work on it in the silence of your time alone with God's word. Work on it and and mutter God's word while you commute, while you cook, while, while you clean or exercise, while you're lying in bed at night. Wherever you are, choose to practice scripture memorization. You might have noticed I'm using the word work when I'm talking about memorization, and I think you, many of you probably identify with that. For most of us, memorizing scripture is really hard work. But whoever said that meditation was going to be easy? It's worth it. It's worth it. Raking is easier than digging. But you only get leaves. If you want diamonds, you got to dig. So good, right? I stole it. I stole it completely. There's no way I could have made that up. I wish I could. That's so good, right? If you want diamonds, you got to dig. you got to do the hard work. And meditating on Scripture is hard work, but it's worth it. Brings glory to God. And it's good for our souls. Next, help for meditating on God's Word. Write the Bible. Or we could say copy the Bible. Sometimes getting out a pen and a paper and just... Taking on the role of a scribe is just what we need to set our minds more deeply in God's word. Again, this can make us really just slow down. To pay more attention to each and every word. To mull over why the author has written what he's written. Why he's used the the words and the phrases that he has. And so I commend this to you to try as a means of meditating on God's Word. Just get, a, get an open page, get a journal, and open up God's Word. And just write out a psalm. Copy it out word for word. Write out the Gospel of John. Write out the chapter of the book of Romans. Write out God's Word and see it take deeper root in your heart. And then finally, Complement the Bible. What I mean by that is accompany the Bible. Yes, um, for sure, we must get alone with God's Word, but we can't stay alone with God's Word. Proverbs 13 20 says, Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise. And if if we want to grow in our meditating on the scriptures, We need some help, don't we? And really, I highlight a couple of avenues for help. The first one is books. I mean, good, solid, scripture-saturated books that help us better understand God's word, what it means, and how it applies to our lives. You want to make sure you're reading good Christian books by good Christian authors who love the Word of God and who've meditated on the riches of God's Word and can pass on what they've learned to us. The other avenue of of help 
in complementing the Bible is each other. Right? It's the one another's of Scripture. Church, we, we need to linger together over God's Word in community. And this is why we structure our small groups the way that we do and we center them around discussion in God's Word and accountability uh, based on our time spent in God's Word. This is why we cultivate rich friendships in the Christian life with one another in the church and, and spend time talking with one another about what we're reading in Scripture. Listen, so often there's, there's a hundred other topics of discussion that we might engage one another on. Let me encourage you, even today and, and this week, and just to keep this in your mind when, when you're spending time with your friends. Ask, ask each other this question. How are you being encouraged in God's Word right now? Have a fruitful discussion based on the riches of God's Word and how He is storing it up in our hearts. And in so doing, we spur one another along and, and we help to store up God's Word in each other. These are some helps for meditating on God's Word. And I offer these so that we can fill our lives with the pursuit of God's Word. As it says at the end of verse 2, day and night. Walking in, in the way of the righteous is an ongoing building project. And its foundation is the diligent pursuit of tr- striving to see the Word of God take root. And listen, when we do this, when, when God's Word is our delight and when we meditate on it day and night, the remaining verses of the psalm tell us that there will be corresponding outcomes. The goal isn't ultimately to become more proficient at meditating, right? The goal is to live a certain kind of life. The blessed life. And so we can say it like this, when I diligently pursue the word of God, I expect to see the word of God bear fruit. I expect to see the word of God bear fruit. What kind of life does the diligent pursuit of God's word produce? Verse 3, he is like a tree, the kind of tree that is planted by streams of water, the kind of tree that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. This is the kind of life that the diligent pursuit of God's word produces. And we contrast this with verse 4. The wicked who do not delight in the law of the Lord and, and don't meditate on it day and night are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Do you want my uh, short form version of the sermon on Psalm 1? All right, here it is. Uh, pretend you're outside. Go ahead and look up at the screen. Which one of these do you want 
to represent your life. The fruitful tree or the useless outside of the grain that nobody wants for anything. It's all up to you. And it depends entirely on what you do with the Word of God. The end. (laughs) The streams of water that enriches the soil to provide the vital nourishment we need in order to be healthy is God's Word. This is what this psalm is teaching us this morning. You want to bear fruit? You want to live a life of godly character and godly action? Pursue God's word. You want to remain strong and able to endure? Meditate on God's word. You want to prosper? I don't mean health and wealth, you know that. I mean the true spiritual success of sweet, intimate fellowship with God through all of life's circumstances. Pursue the Word of God. That's what this series is all about. Put down the anchor again in God's Word. The man who meditates on it day and night is blessed. By the Lord. But the wicked are not so. They're they're like chaff that the wind drives away. There's another place in the Bible that talks about chaff. In the Gospel of Matthew, uh, we read of John the Baptist, the forerunner to Jesus, warning everyone to repent because the kingdom of heaven was, was near, it was at hand. And he proclaimed that Jesus was coming and that his winnowing fork is in his hand and he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Eternity is at stake. Listen, the the burning fires of hell is a real place. It's not just that the the chaff simply is is blown off into the air and and just forgotten about. But what the Word of God teaches, what what Jesus taught, what Psalm 1 taught or teaches is, is that there is a day of reckoning coming for every single person. This is where Psalm 1 goes in its final two verses. Look at verse 5. It says, Therefore... The wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. And if you're you're not counted among the righteous, you appear before God on the day of judgment at the end of your life, And you perish. Psalm 1 reminds us that there's two ways to live. And 
and that there's two ways to die. And Jesus, when he's preaching about the kingdom of God and and righteousness, he ends his Sermon on the Mount saying, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them, will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against the house and it fell and great was the fall of it. Different metaphor, but it sounds a lot like the text before us, doesn't it? What you do with God's word makes all the difference. And I need to make something very clear because I, I know there will probably be some listening who, who needs to hear this. I'm not saying, and, and nor is Jesus saying, nor is the psalmist saying that the way to be saved from the wrath to come is to try and live a better life. You know, just to, to try and walk more in the path of righteousness. See, as Pastor Ian said this morning, that the message of the Bible is that righteousness comes only through faith. Each and every person must make their own decision to trust in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who proclaimed that God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. See, this teaching is the high point of God's Word that we delight in and meditate upon. For all who walk in the counsel of the wicked. For for all who stand in the way of sinners. For all who sit in the seat of scoffers. And that was all of us at one time. And some even now today. And the word of God tells us that a savior came to bear the penalty. For all who would turn away from our wicked ways. And trust in him for the forgiveness of our sins. And for newness of life. The way you go matters. All paths don't lead to the same place. And if you've not looked to Jesus, who is the very Word of God come in the flesh, who died and rose again for the forgiveness of sins, the Bible says that you're invited to do that today. Today can be the day of your salvation. Listen, if you'll look to the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ that we have in God's word. God promises you, he promises you abundant joy. He promises you a life of blessing. He promises you an eternal place with him. For those of us who are believers, I, I want to bring this message to a close this morning by looking at some friends Uh, Words, some some friends from England from the 17th century to help us in our zeal to walk in the way of the righteous by diligently pursuing the Word of God. Thomas Watson, he said something that um, is just as true today as it was in his day. He, He said this, he said, there are so few 
godly Christians because there are so few meditating Christians. May that not be true of you. May that not be true of me. May our lives not be lacking fruit because we're not striving to see the Word of God take root in our hearts. The blessed man is the one who delights in the law of the Lord and meditates on it day and night. And then there's the wonderful story of John Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress. There's a point along their way to the celestial city when the two men, Christian and Hopeful, are imprisoned inside Doubting Castle. And Christian realizes that all the while he's been in possession of the way out. And listen to this. He says these words. He says, what a fool I've been to lie like this in a stinking dungeon when I could have just as well walked free. Inside my chest pocket, I have a key called promise that will, I am thoroughly persuaded, open any lock in Doubting Castle. Then said Hopeful, this is good news. My good brother, do immediately take it out of your chest pocket and try it. Then Christian took the key from his chest and began to try the lock of the dungeon door. And as he turned the key, the bolt unlocked and the door flew open with ease so that Christian and Hopeful immediately came out. Listen, the key is what? The Word of God. The key is the Scriptures. And the chest pocket, that's our hearts. Is this what you want? Because you've got it. It's right here. And the call before us this morning is this. Diligently pursue it. Delight in the Word of God and meditate on it day and night. And it will change your life. It will be your good. And it will bring glory to God. And praise to the name of Jesus Christ. Let's pray.